Hi, and welcome to this mini bonus episode with naturopath Candice Borg. After editing, I realized that this is only a very short bonus episode, but I still hope that you enjoy it. Let's start the show. I just really find it sad that people don't have that understanding of how much science is actually involved in naturopathy because we learn about every single biochemistry pathway that the body has and then how a herb or a nutrient um, like a vitamin or mineral influences that. So I can assure everyone listening that it is quite science-based and I did my thesis on depression in my final year And I had seven pages of references and a lot of that had to be Cochrane reviews of particular herbs, otherwise it wasn't considered to be valid information. So there is a lot of information out there. You can just go on Cochrane and um, Google a Cochrane review of St. John's wort or on vitamin C or essential fatty acids or pick any herb or nutrient that you're looking for and you'll find lots of research on it. For people that have no idea what a Cochrane research, what does that mean? A Cochrane review is just a collection of articles. So if someone has done a research paper on St. John's Wort, then what Cochrane, the Cochrane review team do is they review all the research on St. John's Wort and collate it. Okay. So that they say, okay, well, there was this many um, papers on St. John's Wort, this many were testing for this and then they summarize all of the research out there how many participants there were what the what the um, net result is okay so that you can have confidence that okay if there's three thousand papers out there saying that st john's wort is equivalent to an ssri which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor which is one of the most common antidepressants and um, then you can be assured that it actually works the same way as an SSRI does. So it just gives that, in the research world, it just gives you confidence of research rather than having one paper where there was five participants on vitamin C and you're like, well, were they five healthy people? Like they all fit into a certain demographic, then that's not really an indication of how vitamin C would work in a child or in the elderly or so on and so forth. Great. I'm, I'm learning so much and I'm finding it fascinating. My first exposure to naturopathy, which other people could have potentially had similar experiences, is mm-hmm. I was in Canada at a chemist and um, they had a section where you could buy little sh- balls mm-hmm. in tubes. Yeah. And someone told me that's naturopathy. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit, if, if that's the only exposure that some people could have had to yeah. naturopathy, what, what is happening there? What is that? And so, and, and what's the usage of all of this? Not necessarily the actual compounds, but yeah. like those tubes in the pharmacy, what are they? So that's homeopathy. So those tubes, are, no, which is part of naturopathy. So okay. you, you, you weren't off. Oh. <laughs> I have nothing to do with us. Yeah, that's, that's a totally different degree. No, it's the same degree. In fact, I think now you can elect to do homeopathy or not as a part of your naturopathy degree. But homeopathy is a form of natural medicines that is a very diluted form of medicine. So I kind of liken homeopathy to be more like a vaccine 
that you get a little bit of the pathogen and then that helps your body to cure it or to develop an immunity against it. I personally don't use homeopathy in clinic because there are so many different homeopathics that you can use that I feel like you would need to have a four-year degree on it just to have an understanding of what works best. Also, with how many homeopathics there are, there's different dosages of homeopathics too. There is a lot of research on homeopathic medicine, particularly in India. There's actually homeopathic hospitals in India that use a lot of homeopathics, but I personally don't. I much prefer um, uh, herbal medicine and nutritional medicine because I can understand exactly how that works with our biochemistry. The research is a little bit stronger because there's more money in it. I mean, research only comes from people that are willing to spend money on it. So in my opinion, there is um, a little bit more solid evidence on herbal medicine and nutritional medicine than homeopathy, which is why I don't use homeopathy. But it, I got taught that I did four years of homeopathy as a part of my naturopathy degree. And people find it works amazing and does amazing things. I've just never been one to dabble in it. I really feel like you should, not should be, but I feel like that you're either a homeopath or you're a herbalist, you know, like that. The it's two, like there's two schools of thought around yeah, kind it. Of, oh, that's interesting. Or, okay. or that you're, I don't know, maybe it's just my mind, but um, that your mind can only store so much information, you know, so to have all that knowledge of homeopathics as well as herbs yeah, is a little more difficult. How would you say homeopathic medicine differs from just general medicine that you can find um, at the pharmacy or that is being prescribed? Well, there's a there's a huge difference between what you can find at a health food shop versus a pharmacy versus a, that is being dispensed by a practitioner. So there's practitioner range products and and um, and over-the-counter products and if you think of practitioner range products like you would pharmaceutical medication that you have to get over the counter so that you have to actually have a script and get it it has that strength so people um, sometimes say oh I tried echinacea when I had a cold and it didn't really do anything and um, and what I would say to that is well what What type of echinacea was it? Was it echinacea angustifolia? Was it echinacea purpurea? Was it the aerial parts? Was it the root? Um, what was the brand like? You know, when did they harvest the plant? Did they use an a, a alcoholic extraction to get out the active constituents that you need? Like there is so many different things that are involved in manufacturing a product to make it work. And often what happens with over-the-counter products is that they usually use, in terms of herbs, um, they usually use the byproduct from practitioner products. So with a practitioner product, it'll be the first press of a herb and that will get used to manufacture practitioner range products. And then with they'll dry that plant material that has already been extracted and used and then reuse it in over-the-counter products. So over-the-counter products generally are less potent or they are just a different plant. Like it says echinacea at the front, but it's not angustifolia or purpurea, which are the two um, forms of echinacea that have the immune boosting properties. They're, they are both immune modulating. So um, there is huge difference, even with vitamins and minerals. People say, you know, like 
vitamin C is vitamin C. Well, it actually isn't. There's there's different forms of vitamin C. There's vitamin C that is an ascorbic acid, which is not great if you have any stomach ulcers because it's an acid. There's vitamin C that's calcium ascorbate or sodium ascorbate or potassium ascorbate. And they are all different versions of that vitamin C. So someone who has high blood pressure, you wouldn't really want to give them a sodium ascorbate because that's salt with vitamin C or a salt version of vitamin C. So there are so many different things when it comes to going to a chemist or a health food shop or anywhere that has a product that you're thinking of buying and actually knowing whether it's the right one for you, firstly, um, but secondly, if it actually is a therapeutic strength. And you can't um, blame the the over-the-counter products or those brands because they actually because you're not being seen by a practitioner and you're getting those products, they don't know what else you're on. They don't know what medications you're on. They don't know what potential interactions there are. So kind of almost by law, they have to be less potent just in order for you not to have a toxic response or a, and a negative response to that particular product. So, um, I would say it's always really uh, important that you do your own research when you're thinking about taking any kind of product whether it be herbal nutritional homeopathic whatever the case may be that you actually look at the brand and see how many um, they're called excipients when a brand makes a tablet they put fillers or binders in the tablet in order for the tablet to stay solid but those can be potentially harmful for health too. So you want a brand that is at least transparent with what excipients are in the product and then you can read what they actually do and whether they're healthy for you or um, that they you are comfortable with their manufacturing processes. I myself don't stock one particular brand. Anyone that has come to see me would know that vitamin D comes from this brand, but then the vitamin C comes from that brand and something else comes from somewhere else. Um, And that's because I look at a few things. I always look at company ethics. That's my first and foremost thing that I look at. Um, But I also look at um, travel miles when we're purchasing anything because that's important too to me. Um, But the quality of the product itself and also value for money. I'm not a big dispenser of products. If I don't, I wouldn't take five things, so I don't give five things to people. So I look for products that, if you need magnesium and the cofactors for magnesium are all the B vitamins, then I will pick a product that has Bs and Mag together, so that you have one product, not two, but it does the same thing. So um, that's why I don't stock one particular brand. There's just a combination of, well, this is the best echinacea because it has this, 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 and and I know where they source their echinacea from. I know what, if it's not grown in Australia, I know what country it's, it's come from. I know what time of day they've almost, what time of day they've picked it. Because that can also depend on the, uh, the um, active constituents of a, a plant depending on how it's harvest, what the rainfall's like in that country, what the soil quality is like. Wow. We look at, um, I had this conversation yesterday actually, but um, someone had come in and they were low in iodine and I said, well, in theory, you know, um, strawberries are not not a bad source of iodine, but it depends on the soil because if there's no iodine in the soil, then the strawberries didn't suck up much, you know. So 
at the moment in Australia, our soils are depleted of iodine, so I wouldn't consider strawberries to be a good source. So we were talking about, you know, which ways that this person could get iodine, what we're from and whether they needed to supplement and if they did need to supplement, what supplement that would look like. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of intricacies when we're looking at making our health better a lot of times people come to see me and they're on a multiple amount of vitamins and minerals or herbs that are either being self-prescribed or prescribed by other people, like could be their chiro has told them to take a particular product. And I'll say, okay, well, why are you taking this product? And um, particularly if it has herbs in it and the person prescribing isn't a herbalist, that could potentially be dangerous with certain pharmaceutical medications. So it is really important that if you're going to take anything that you actually have a little bit of a read or a question with the person prescribing as to what that actually does and why it's being prescribed and what potential interactions there may be because um, not all natural therapies are safe. So you want to make sure that um, you're using the right plant, the right plant part. As we know, you can go for a bush walk and there's berries that are good for you and there's berries that aren't good for you. It's the same with any kind of herbal medicine that you just do have to be careful with what you're, what you're choosing to ingest. Is that transparency, is that achieved? I feel that we live in such a globalized world where transparency is always so problematic in anything, mm. in fashion, in food, in cleaning products as we were talking about, in cosmetics. So are, are businesses open and transparent about about the, the provenance of their products? I find that if a, if a company won't tell you, don't support them. If they, if they don't know or if they won't tell you, I mean, this comes even back to my skincare. I was asking the chemist where every single ingredient was sourced from and he said, I've been doing this 20 years, you're the first person to ask. No one asks. And I said, well, I want to know. I want to know what country you're getting it from and is, is that a sustainable product in that country? To the best of my knowledge, I mean, of course, I don't... No, there's a lot of things I don't know, but there's a lot of things that I can ask questions about. And the companies that I support are companies that are transparent. They'll have an excipient list on their product itself or at least in their product manual. Um, the reps know me very well and particularly because I'm vegan as well. So they're like, okay, does this one's out, you know. And uh, thankfully a lot of the companies that are very clean are accidentally vegan because they are so clean, you know, so because they're sourcing ingredients that are, are so from their original source that it would be harder for them to have animal-derived ingredients in there from a stability point of view. So that's quite lucky. But yeah, there is, in my world, I'm in a little cocoon because I have all these practitioner range products and practitioner range products, they just want practitioners to use them. So they have a lot of transparency. They want to win you over. They want, you know, to, to um, they're proud of how clean they are and how true to their source they are and, and how they can follow an ingredient of, of where it has been grown or so on and so forth. So I say it would say, yeah, there is a lot of transparency, but in if I was to go to a chemist and look at the natural health section of a chemist, no, 
they're, they're not there's not all that much transparency even on brands that you think are really natural and are really uh, ethical and and things like that there's sometimes not as much transparency as you would think and if you if you dig deeper if you keep poking um that you'll either hit a dead road and they, they won't actually a dead end they won't actually tell you or um you'll find that that wasn't actually the product that you would would prefer to support in terms of vegan products as well we think that vegan products if it's labeled vegan that it's vegan but um in the products that I look at and I saw, so I obviously just use vegan products in clinic as well as in my retail space, but um, there are some products that the initial ingredient was animal derived, but through the manufacturing process, there is no more of that ingredient left, but they can still call themselves vegan because of that. So there's one particular brand that I'm thinking of that I won't mention that absolutely don't call themselves vegan if that happens. They they will say that they're um they they've got terminology that they use. They either say free of animal derived ingredients, um, or they'll say that it's actually vegan. And um, if it's if it just says that it's dairy free and egg free and fish free, but doesn't say free of animal derived ingredients, then you know that somewhere in the manufacturing process there was an animal derived ingredient in there, and then through the process of manufacturing, it's now not included. Um, but that's really interesting too. That unfortunately, like you were saying with that the globalization thing, that and you you would hope that a lot of companies are transparent. But brings us back to that palm oil derivative thing when I was looking at skincare and realizing that you can have 5% or up to 5% palm oil derived uh, derivatives in, an, in a product and still call it palm oil free, that there, you have to really dig quite deep. So, and I, with that too, I just say, you know, forgive yourself for that. Forgive yourself if you've bought a product and then dug a little deeper or heard on um, social media social media is fantastic for that I'm learning things on vegans of Melbourne all the time or (laughs) vegans of Australia I'm like really that's not vegan matches aren't vegan for example how did that happen um but I think that you know there's with that you just have to give yourself a break and say okay well now that I know that information I will look a little bit further when I next choose my supplement or my skincare or whatever the case is so there's products that can be labeled as vegan that started as an animal product? Yes. Yeah. Because there'd be some ingredient that would have been animal derived and then through the manufacturing process that ingredient no longer exists. It's uh, look I don't I exactly understand the science of it, but but there can be things that it depends on really on the way the company is willing to market and willing to write down things that's like saying also you know organic like organic is a big thing and organic is brilliant absolutely organic is brilliant but the definition of organic organic chemistry means that it contains carbon petrol contains carbon so you could call petrol an organic ingredient. So unfortunately with marketing, you can twist words around oh, yeah. and use them to your advantage. So I don't know um, 
the products I know are the products that I know and I don't know every product that's out there but I'm very cautious of um particularly with supplements I'm talking more about not skincare um but with supplements I'm very cautious of well if that company didn't educate me to say because I, I remember just thinking oh yeah it's egg free it's dairy free it's fish free there's no meat in vitamin c like so yeah. it can't so it must just be vegan by default and then asking them saying why haven't you said that it's a vegan it, product it's a vegan product or that it's um free of animal derived ingredients and they've said well actually cuz somewhere in the manufacturing process it was exposed to that and that might even be how it's manufactured it may be manufactured on the same line they might do two products after each other and don't clean the machinery because they're very similar ingredients and one has an animal derived ingredient in it and one doesn't so i guess that's like the may contain yeah on um some foods but um but yeah but they technically they actually could label it as vegan because the end product is vegan and that was the mini bonus episode with Candace Borg, naturopath and vegan entrepreneur. I thank you for listening and I'll be back with a full-length episode featuring the lead Senate candidate for the Animal Justice Party in South Australia, Louis Pfeiffer. Cheers! <laughs>